Now, we have been in the book of Daniel for the last four weeks, and we are still in Daniel. Uh, we'll be in Daniel through the end of this month. Uh, but we've been looking at Daniel really to learn some lessons about courage and about faith. And Daniel and his three Hebrew friends have been good models of what faith ought to look like even in the midst of a heathen land. Uh, you guys remember Daniel and his three friends were kidnapped uh, from Judah and, and brought into Babylon uh, by King Nebuchadnezzar to be trained in their worldview so that they could help Babylon be successful. And you remember from chapter 1, uh, they listed the traits and qualities that they wanted in these young people, not ugly children, but good-looking uh, children that they could train in their ways who would be an asset to their economy. And we pull from that also that God is looking for some good-looking young folk, some intelligent young people who can be trained in his kingdom so that his kingdom can be expanded. And we would do well to learn the lessons that we have been encountering in Daniel uh, as we work with our own children. Our text for today comes from Daniel chapter 6. And I'm going to reread the verses, and we're going to read all the way down to verse number 17. And then we'll get into our lesson for today. The Bible says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, or administrators, to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would not suffer loss. So they were appointed to make sure folk weren't stealing, double-dibbling. There was no fraud going on. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thrown before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel, heard, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God 
as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. The king was not displeased with Daniel. He was upset with himself because the king understand he's been duped. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Now imagine a pagan king acknowledging Daniel's God and saying, your God will deliver you. But he said, before he said he will deliver you, he said, whom you serve continually or continuously. Don't miss that. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him, and his sleep went from him. So it seems like the king is having a rough night based on a bad decision that he made based on the haters of Daniel. So I want to use as a subject uh, this morning, courageous faith in everyday life. Courageous faith in everyday life. You and I need to learn that we can live courageously every day of our life. If our lives are in harmony with the will and the word of God. You and I need to learn that we can navigate the challenges of life and not fall if we stick with God. Now, that doesn't mean we won't have any problems because you sitting here today, I can look at you and tell we all got problems, but we got a God who's bigger than our problems. Even the problems that we create for ourselves, God has the power to deliver us. Courageous faith in everyday life. Living by faith daily is difficult. We have been duped by the devil into thinking that it is easy to be a Christian, to be a child of God, that there will not be any problems, any difficulties that you will have. Uh, if you've been living faithful as a Christian, you know that's a lie. 
you know that we have problems as we try to live for God, but it doesn't dissuade us from living for God because we recognize even in the midst of our difficulty, God is with us. So it doesn't matter the problems or challenges. We are not in this thing by ourselves. God is with us. But we need to start recognizing living by faith is difficult. It is challenging. Sometimes it's challenging even living in your own house with folk and maintaining your faith. Now, come on. Some of you know you live with heathens. You live with family members that have not put Christ on in baptism, and they tick you off every now and then. And if you're not careful, you'll start acting like they do and talking like they do. Being faithful all by yourself is difficult. You cannot be a long-range Christian and survive for long. The devil likes us to isolate ourselves, go off all by ourselves, and think we're going to be okay. Now, now you've watched the, what's the Nature Channel, Discovery Channel, and you've seen all these beasts and, and, and things that linger off from the fold, and the lion is out in the grass hiding or the tiger or whatever is there, and they're just waiting for this animal to be all by themselves, and then they snatch them. Why is it that we feel when we're going through difficulty that we ought to just stay at home? Why is it we feel when we're going through difficulty, we want to isolate ourselves from all Christians? Why is it when we're going through stuff, we don't read the Bible, we don't even pray? We just sit in our room and be depressed. How is that going to help your situation? It's not going to help your situation. When we're going through stuff, that's when we really need to be around our brothers and sisters. We need the support, the visible support, the verbal support. Now, one of the things that we learn in chapter 1 of Daniel is faith formation needs to start young. Remember, they are kidnapped when they're teenagers. And they are already evidencing as teenagers that they understand the word of God and they're willing to make a, a, draw a line in the sand with their captors to say, we are not going to eat the king's food. We are not going to get caught up uh, in all of that. We're going to honor God. Now, in order for them to take that stand as teenagers, mom and dad had to put something in them when they were a whole lot younger. And I want to use this point to, to remind us, you do your, your children a disservice if you wait for them to be preteens and teenagers to try and teach them the word of God. They've already got too much world and the devil in them at that point. When they're toddlers, when they're crawling around on the floor, that's when you need to be teaching them about God in your home. So now when you bring them to the church building for Bible classes, that's just adding on to what you're already teaching them, training them on home. And until we begin to understand that we need to start teaching our children young, even when they come out of the womb, play some gospel music to them. Let them listen to something. Do something that stimulates them early on toward the spiritual, and you keep that going. And by the time they are 18 and 19, they're a powerful Christian. We act like you got to be old to be faithful. 
Everybody has the right to go out and sow your wild oats, and then after you get a little years on you, now you can come back and be faithful. That's a dangerous belief because folk die at young ages around here. You guys have listened to the news. Uh, this boy that was in New Hampshire, they found his body not too far from our building at a park around here. He was five years old. So don't wait to try and instill godliness in your children or your grandchildren. There is no promise that they're going to grow up to be your age. And so we need to begin to understand if we don't have faith, or our children don't have faith, or people don't have faith, then there will not be the ability to stand in the midst of adversity. Life is full of adversity. And the sooner we help our young people to understand that, the sooner we can equip them so that the, their first thought is not to quit, is not to run, is not to hide. You and I are made stronger based on the things we go through. And even sometimes when we fail, we learn lessons even through that. So the next time these things come along, you don't run, you don't turn coward, you don't fail. And we see all of that, or we have seen all of that as we have looked at these chapters in Daniel. First lesson we did from Daniel was the uh, courageous faith among teenagers. You guys remember that? Uh, Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. And we looked at Daniel and his three Hebrew friends and the courage that they had as they interacted with the officials in Babylon. They came up with the idea, we won't eat this food, but give us water and vegetables. And see after a period of time if our countenance, if our appearance does not look just as good as those who are eating the king's diet. And as God would have it, they look better. But that happened because their faith, even as teenagers. Then we went to Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 18, courageous faith on the job. You and I need to be faithful and be courageous on the job. Stop doing stuff on the job that violates your conscience. Stop doing stuff on the job that you know is morally questionable. You don't have to sell your soul to keep a job. And too many times we're so afraid of losing a job that we will do whatever uh, the person in charge wants us to do, no matter how much it is in conflict with the word of God. That's why I tell some of you guys, uh, stop going to those end of the year Christmas parties where everybody lets their hair down and starts drinking and doing a whole bunch of other stuff that, that loosens their normal uh, inabilities. You know, people get away with stuff at the Christmas party, the, the office party, that they would never do in the course of a business. You and I need to recognize you can be a faithful employee and honor God, but you don't have to compromise the word of God. And then the last lesson taken from Daniel chapter 5, courage during your senior years. We need some old folk in the church to show young people that you can live a courageous life even when you are past retirement. Because the goal, uh, the goal too many times is for people to get to a point where they retire, but they also retire from spiritual life. I, I've done all that. It's now time for the young people to do stuff. You are working for the Lord until you show up here in a coffin. 
Now, yes, you can't do the same thing you used to do when you were 20, 30, 40 years old, but you can do something to be a blessing to those who are coming behind you. And one of the things that we talked about in that lesson was we need some spiritual advisors. These young whippersnappers up in here don't know nothing, but yet they think they know everything. So those of you who got a Ph.D. in living, you help enlighten them. Because there's a difference between book learning and life learning. And our young people got plenty of book learning. They don't know nothing about life. That's why they keep picking bad friends. That's why you give them money, you give them an allowance or whatever, and they will blow it on some useless stuff. And then come to you when they want something that they need. Anybody experience that besides me? <laughs> yes, I did. More than one time. And, and so we need courage during our golden years. Because what we saw in that lesson is that Daniel and his Hebrew friends were at a point where they didn't have a problem with telling the truth. See, sometimes we get caught up and you want everybody to like us, and you don't want people to think this about you, that. But when you get some, some years on you, and when you get some experience on you, you can just simply tell folk the truth. And there's very little you can hold over me to threaten me. And so we need to show some courage doing our senior years. And I hope that those of you who are in your 20s and 30s and 40s, you're beginning to understand that it is okay to be a Christian. It's okay to live like a Christian. It's okay for folk to know you're a Christian. It's not about bragging. As a matter of fact, you're not telling them anything. They are seeing it in your lifestyle, in your behavior. Because you've got to tell a person a Christian, you already got a problem. Now, as our text opens... Uh, there is a new king on the throne. Uh, Daniel has lived through a couple of kings already. And it's interesting as we travel through Daniel, in spite of who's the earthly leader, Daniel still maintains his spiritual integrity. It doesn't matter the changes that come with the different leaders. Daniel is still God's man. He's still using the spiritual gifts that God has blessed him with. He's still being faithful to God while he's living in a foreign land. And we need to learn from that. You can be faithful in the different environments that life will, will take you to. So it's one thing to be faithful when you're at home. It's a whole other thing when you go off to college and nobody's there but you and the Lord and a, a thousand other folk that don't know you. It's very easy to just go along with the crowd because nobody's going to know. And then when I come home on the weekend, I just act like everything is okay. It's very easy for that. Or when children move on the other side of the world and go to school. Well, you know you don't know what they're doing. There's a new king on the throne. He comes in with an entirely different leadership structure. Uh, verse number one says, uh, Darius uh, set 120 set traps over the kingdom, over the whole kingdom. And so now we have a, a, a new king. Belteshadai has died in the last chapter. New king, it's interesting, God continues to raise up leaders and they die. But Daniel is faithful 
regardless of who the leader is. Okay. You can be on a job and have multiple supervisors. You don't have to change simply because your supervisors are changed. The text will say Daniel is in a high-ranking position. Uh, uh, this, this child who was pulled from his homeland as a teenager has now arisen to be one of the most powerful people in this land. Now, how is that possible? God. Daniel has allowed himself to be used by God through all this transition that he has been going through. And whereas he did not bow down and fall to whoever the king was, he reverenced his God. And so in verse number three, we, we learn very clearly that Daniel was different. The text will say Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. He had an excellent spirit. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So Daniel has been enjoying the favor of God because he's been faithful to God. And I need for us to understand if you and I are faithful to God, we will receive his favor. Sometimes we're sitting around trying to wonder, why is it I'm not being blessed? Why is it things aren't going well for me? You need to ask yourself, are you being faithful to God? Or are you just giving lip service? I keep telling us, just because you show up on Sunday at a building does not mean you're faithful to God. And too many of us have grown up with that thinking. And so it does not allow us to look at our lives the six days of the week besides Sunday. And so we base our spirituality on what we do on Sunday. And let's be real, you don't do that much on Sunday when you come to worship. You're here an hour and a half, and you want to go. You don't want to talk with anybody. You don't want to fellowship with anybody. As soon as uh, the dismissal is said, you're out the door. So Daniel has some qualities about him that anybody looking at him, believer, non-believer, would say there's something special about this guy. He had the right spirit, right attitude. So Daniel would, could deal with any situation no matter where he, he was placed because he knew God was a person he was ultimately serving. So I can have a crazy, uh, difficult supervisor if I understand I am ultimately working for God. I'm a Christian at this job, but my ultimate employer is God. So if I understand that, I can deal with the different personalities that I have to encounter. Because I understand, they're not Christians. They're not godly. They're simply doing what the world does. So we've looked at other passages in, the, in this chapter where it talks about Daniel possessed the spirit of the holy God. Uh, Daniel had a sharp mind. Uh, Daniel had knowledge and he had understanding. So he's a very intelligent person who applied the skills that God had blessed him with to the various situations that he was in. You guys remember, God gave him the gift of being able to interpret dreams. And when no one else could do that uh, for the various kings, Daniel was able to step in and do that. And that, again, caused him to receive favor with these pagan leaders. And as a result of that, he kept on being promoted. So even though he was just simply doing what God had gifted him to do, the world rewarded him for it. There's something to be said about being faithful to God on your job. 
There's something to be said about being faithful to God in just your everyday living. Such that it is just a part of who you are. It's just what you do. So you're not making a distinction between Sunday and Monday. Because some of us, I wonder if I, if I could slip up on your job and be the invisible man. What would I see and what would I hear? Maybe I'll try that. <laughs> so there's something different, special about Daniel. And again, we have seen that. There's something, there was something different about Daniel. There was something different about the three Hebrew boys. One, they reverence God throughout their lives. And so the king, because he sees how different Daniel is, he sees how gifted he is. The king wants to set Daniel over everybody. Now, you know, when somebody's considering you for that kind of promotion, you're going to have some haters. You're going to have some coworkers who feel, why him and not me? You're going to have some coworkers who feel, I'm just as qualified as that person is. I've been here longer than they have been. They don't look at their attitude. They don't look at their cooperativeness. They don't look at how productive they have been on the job. They're just looking, I was here before you got here. And so God opens up the king's heart that he even sees, sees how productive and faithful Daniel is. Daniel is a good worker. If you don't believe me, as we go further in chapter, these jokers are going to try to find fault with Daniel on his job. And they can't find any. Just, just a question. If somebody wanted to find fault with you on your job, how difficult would it be for them to find some evidence? Do you show up for work on time? Do you leave on time? Or do you take them early dismissals like they do in school? Do you take stuff from the job that nobody gave you permission to take? Well, those writing pads, nobody's going to miss them. Let me just get a pack of them. Uh, those ink pens over there, they got a, a dozen in, in, in the room over there, so I can just take that. Uh, these staples that are over here, nobody's using them, so I got a staple machine at home. Let me just grab a pack. I got some church work I need to do, so why don't I just photocopy it on, at the copier on the job? Mm -hmm. Can anybody relate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, all right. So in verses 4 through 5, Daniel has some enemies. Uh, and they have some, these are people who are just against Daniel because they don't like him. Daniel has not done anything to them. He hasn't done anything to hurt them. But they are envious of the position that Daniel has on the job and the view that the boss has of Daniel. See, Daniel's just doing what he does every day. And that's being a faithful person who's consistent with his values. You and I need to live a life that's consistent with what we say we value every day. So I don't just worship God on Sunday. I worship him every day. Now, on Sunday, yeah, we do a special kind of worship because we all come together. 
But you can worship God tomorrow. And one of the best ways to worship our God is to live a holy life. So in verses 4 and 5, uh, Daniel's enemies, they try to find fault in his work ethic. They can't. He shows the work on time. He does what he's supposed to do. He's productive. He finishes his reports and stuff like that when he's supposed to. So they can't mess with him there. Uh, they discover there's no corruption uh, in Daniel. You can't bribe him. You can't rub a nose. A brown nose. I think that's the phrase, brown nose. Yeah, yeah brown nose. You can't rub her nose. You can't come in flattering him. Uh, you guys know somebody come in and say some stuff to you, and it, it blows your head up, and they can get whatever they want from you. Daniel was a dependable worker. So they can't mess with him based on his professionalism, on, on his doing his job, even though they tried to find some dirt on him. So what they say, since we can't find anything wrong with him uh, on the job, we got to look at his religious life. There's got to be some inconsistency somewhere there. When your enemy is trying to do you in, he or she will scour the earth trying to find dirt on you. But let's be like Daniel. You don't worry about your enemy. You worry about pleasing God, and God will take care of your enemy. Too many times we try to fight folk. The only enemy we need to be fighting is the devil. These folk who misuse you, what you need to do is tell God on them in prayer. And see how God will knock them down. And you can still smile at them and say good morning and all the kind of stuff to them. Because you know your God has your back and he will deal with folk who are messing with you. And so the enemies of Daniel in verses 6 through 9, they, they come together. They unite. So they go to the king and say, we have all come to the conclusion that we need to have this decree that for 30 days nobody can petition any god or any person but you. Now note they said all the governors and the satraps and all that, that would have included Daniel. Obviously they didn't include him, so they lied when they went to the king. When folk try to do you wrong, they will come up with all kind of stuff, and usually it is not truthful. But they will say what they need to say to influence the person who's in the decision-making role, who is not uh, always aware of what's going on. So they go to the king, uh, give him this story about they've come to this conclusion on that. They want to establish this decree because they want to get rid of Daniel. They're envious of him. Uh, they would say, this Jew that you kidnapped into our country, uh, we're tired of him prospering over us. So he got to go. When people want to get rid of you, they will lie, they will cheat, they have secret meetings, All that kind of stuff. Oh, and by the way, I think that's the same kind of stuff folks do when they want to get rid of preachers. They'll lie, they'll cheat, have the secret meetings. Mm -hmm. But what I like about Daniel is that in spite of all the stuff that's going on in the background, Daniel does not get caught up in that. 
See, Daniel doesn't get caught up in that because Daniel knows that God has been with him since he was brought into this land. He can look at what God has brought him through. And he can say, the God that has been with me in the past is with me right now, and he's going to be with me in the future. So why should I change what I'm doing? I just simply keep on living my life the way I'm supposed to. So as Daniel learns about this petition that has been made, verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, guess what Daniel did? He didn't fuss. He didn't go to HR. He didn't try to start a petition. He didn't get a picket sign and walk around uh, the, the palace. Daniel went home like he normally does at the end of every day. Not only does he goes home, he gets in his house and he walks up the stairs, opens up his window like he normally does, and gets down on his knees and prays to his God like he normally does. He is simply being who he is in spite of all of the shenanigans that are going on in the background. He is not getting overly caught up in the politics of what's going on. Text says, he prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He wasn't doing anything different. This is just who he was. This is just what he did every day. We need to learn to live like a Christian every day. We need to learn to just practice the spiritual disciplines Every day. Stop waiting until crisis comes in your life and now you want to be a super Christian. Now you want to pray to God and, God and bargain with God. God, if you do this for me, I will be faithful to you. Instead of just who you are. So I know your custom is to pray over your food when you're by yourself. What happens when you're on the job and the group is going out for lunch or whatever? Are you going to pray in front of your co-workers? Okay, I believe it when I see it. I know as a Christian, you, left, you have left the fire water alone. Fire water. But when you socialize with your co-workers out at this restaurant and this bar or whatever, and they order fire water, what are you going to order? Okay, that's what you say now. That's, that's what you say now. In the moment when you're being tested, and it's in those moments that we reveal who and what we are. Because those ought to be the things you do all the time, and it doesn't matter who's around you. Okay? Your job sends you on uh, to a conference that's going to involve you being gone over the weekend. And you're in a strange city. And there is nobody that you can call to pick you up for church services. What are you going to do come worship time on Sunday morning? Stay in your hotel room? I say, well, you know, uh, you know it, it's, it's going to cost me about $40 to get a cab or Uber. Uh, God understands because I came here to work. I didn't come here to go to worship. Let's forget about the streaming. Let's, let's forget about the streaming. 
Because some of you were traveling when there was no streaming. What did you do come Sunday when you were in these strange places? And you didn't take the time to find out where the nearest congregation was before you went there. And some of you need to be real. You just didn't worship then. And because nobody who knew you were, were there, no big deal. But it was a big deal. It was a big deal toward your integrity. It was a big deal in terms of how God looks at us. And so I appreciate Daniel's behavior in verse number 10. They changed the law, but I'm still going to live my life, and I'm going to honor my God. And I'm going to trust him to take care of me, no matter what is going on, because this is my custom. This is how I live my life. So in spite of the danger there, we do not see wavering from Daniel. There's no, well, what am I going to do? See, Daniel could have gone home that day instead of opening his window, left him closed. Now, would he have been honoring his God if he still prayed, but he closed the windows? Daniel could have said, well, let me go out on the outskirts of town where there's nobody. He could have done, done that and gone out there and prayed. But would he have been honoring his God when he did that? He could have said, well, because of the danger that uh, lies, potentially lies ahead of me, God will understand if on this day I don't pray. Now, none of those scenarios could you envision this man we have been studying about for the last several weeks doing. But let's be real. What would you have done if you were in his place? See, if you're going to be a spiritual person, one of the things you have to do is, is come clean about yourself every now and then and recognize, I don't know what I do, which is still a question mark. And then some of you know what you do, and it's not honoring God because you care more about your person and your possessions in your, in even your very life then you care about honoring God. Now it gets quiet up here. Daniel knows something that we many times forget. He knows God is in control. God is in charge. He's lived through three different administrations, but God has not changed. Okay, you don't get that. Some of you lost your minds when Donald Trump was president. And you just now gaining back a piece of it. You lost your mind, and now some of you are, you are flipping and overjoyed because Joe Biden is the president. I don't care who's in the White House. My king is King Jesus. Because all of them, Republican or Democrat, will do some stuff that's ungodly. Those of you who are hung up on Biden, Biden is in favor of abortions. You in favor of abortion? So be careful who you throw your lot behind. Daniel has confidence. Daniel has confidence because he has seen how God has acted, behaved throughout his life. See, we're going through problems. Sometimes you just need to look back. Look at what God has brought you through. Look at the trouble you have been in and God pulled you out. Look at the trouble you put yourself in. 
You weren't in trouble because you took a stand for God. You were in trouble because you made some bad decisions. Look at some of the bad relationships you've gotten into. Bad business dealings you've gotten into. And God didn't leave you there. You left him. But he still came to your aid. So Daniel trusts his God. When you think about what happened to the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, and they came through that unscorched, clothes didn't smell like smoke. Anybody who saw that would understand, you need to trust God. Look at some of the stuff he's brought you through, and you're still vacillating whether or not you're going to trust him. He got you out of the hospital. That's enough to trust him. You know you should have been in a head-on collision a long time ago, but he kept the car going in the right direction. Some of this food that you guys cook that's close to tomain poisoning, you've eaten it and you did not die of food poisoning. Thank God for that and trust it. Now, come on, you've seen some stuff folk have cooked. Okay. Okay, let me just, let me just step in and say I'm talking. Some of, some, of you, some of you, when we've had fellowship meals pre-COVID, certain people would bring stuff uh, for a meal, and nobody was in line to get it. As a matter of fact, you guys pushed it back somewhere and put a covering over it. Now, come on, you know I'm telling the truth. Tell the truth, shame the devil. But Daniel trusted his God, and Daniel knew who was in charge of the future. God is in control of our future. Not the astrologer, not the palm reader that you go to. Uh, did any of you guys do that 1-800 number, miss whatever that they used to do? You, you guys remember? You islanders. Yeah, you, you, you guys remember that. You're paying every minute for this person giving you advice, giving you information, and they can't predict nothing. When what you need to do is trust the person who made you. Since God made you, he knows what's best for each and every one of us. You and I don't even know what's best for each other. You and I don't have the kind of wisdom and insight to see 20 years from now. God's already there. Which is why a lot of stuff we pray for and ask for, he doesn't give it to us because he knows we couldn't handle it. It would be to our detriment. And we're getting all mad at God. When we need to be saying, thank you, Lord, for preserving me. So... Daniel demonstrates his integrity throughout all this. Now, as he's at his house, his enemies creep up and look through the window and see, this guy is still praying. So guess what they do? They tattletale and they go run and tell the king, this Jew that you put over us is praying, and he's not praying to you. He's violating your decree. And by the way, it is a decree that you have made that cannot be broken. So even though this was a pagan king, he understood the value of Daniel, which is why he was grieved uh, that Daniel had to be thrown into the lion's den. 
And so he was mad at himself for being manipulated like that. Look at verse 16. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver. Even the king, the heathen king, believed that. And sometimes heathens have more faith than we do. And we're supposed to know God. And we're supposed to trust God. And we're supposed to be ones who have seen how God has act, behaved in our lives. And we will get to a problem or we'll get to a Red Sea that we think God can't part for us. And so Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. They seal it. And the king can't sleep. Because he know he was wrong. He know he had to do something because he opened his mouth too soon. He let some people hoodwink him, and he couldn't get out of it. So early that morning, he's rushing to see what has happened to Daniel. And guess what? Daniel is alive. Daniel is doing well. And, and the king decides, okay, all these folk who said you guys came in agreement on this decree, now I'm throwing all you all and your wives and your children. Wow. These people who try to lay traps for us, God will deal with them. And not only that, look at how this heathen king Darius honors Daniel's God. Verse number 25, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. A heathen makes that statement. Tell me what God won't do on behalf of his people. We just need to learn how to stand. Because there's something to be said about a powerful, courageous example. That even people who don't want to see it have to acknowledge the value of it. So let me go ahead and quickly end this lesson. If you don't get anything else, don't fear the king. I don't care what policies come out of the White House or Beacon Hill. Jesus is my king. And anytime those kings make policies that conflict with his, I'm going with him. And I'm going with him knowing I may suffer consequences. Don't fear the king. Fear the Lord. Fear the one who made us. Persist in faithfulness in spite of your haters. Let me just drop them. You got some haters right here in the audience today. You got some haters in the church. But you don't stop being faithful. You don't let them throw you off track. You keep on doing what you know God has called you to do. Oh, and by the way, you, you don't compromise your faithfulness even if death is impending. So let me say something to you, uh, to some of you who are still scared of COVID-19. God is bigger than COVID-19. And if we get another Delta variant, we're still worshiping God. Now we're going to see where your courage is because some of you will stay home like you did before. And you were some of the last scragglers to come out to public worship. 
It may have been God's decision for you to die during COVID. And if that's so, you ought to be okay with that. You weren't made to live here forever. Some of us need to reread scripture and begin to understand. First century Christians live with the knowledge that they may die for their faith. You won't come to worship for your faith, but you'll go to the drugstore, you go to the grocery store, all these other places you were going, but you weren't coming to worship service. So let's learn some lessons that will pry us away and help us to understand this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. So if we have your funeral before the year is over, okay, you're on your way to heaven. You've been singing about wanting to go to heaven. Now you'll be on your way there. But it shows how tied we are to the earth. That we'll let our fears keep us from doing what God has called us to do. I am thankful that when this decree was made, Daniel kept on doing what he did every day. He went to his house, he climbed up his stairs, he went in his room, and he prayed with the windows open. Now some of you are going to have to wrestle with that because COVID is not done with us yet. God is bigger than COVID. Church doors are going to stay open. Now, if you choose not to come, that's your choice. But don't expect us to congratulate you because you choose to stay at home. And I would say those who are choosing to stream now when you're healthy than the rest of us who are here, what's your excuse? See, we're getting into the lazy business now. We've been in the COVID long enough for all of us ought to know if you got some concern, wear your mask. We got plenty enough hand sanitizer, you can bathe yourself in around here. <laughs> They're on the back shelves. When you walk through the door downstairs, it's there. Many of you got hand sanitizer in your purses, in your bags. You got it in your car. So you put that stuff on your hands, you rub your hands, and you come up in here and worship God. We got folk in here now. Some of us got masks on, some of us don't have masks. I don't care. We're here to worship God. Now, the only requirement we have is if you have not been vaccinated. Yeah, if you have not been vaccinated, you know what you got to do. You don't have no choice. Thirdly, live so no one can find fault with you. Be honest in your dealings with people. Treat people fair. Do what you're supposed to do. Handle your business right. Handle it such that if people are going to find fault with you, it's a lie. Is not true. Now, you're going to have to have some integrity that causes you to live consistently every day to get to this point. It's not about Sunday and Wednesday. It's about all seven days. And then recognize from, from our brother Daniel that Daniel prospers in his faith. If you go all the way back to chapter 1, Daniel is being blessed, he's been promoted, he's been given more responsibility, more authority, more leadership roles. So as he stands the tests that are given to him, and as he overcomes them, not only does God give him favor, but even the king elevates him. So that now Daniel has the ability to influence the people who are around him. You are where you are on your job, in your community, so you can be an influence a positive influence on people. Not so you can cower behind the fences in your house, 
But you can show people, I believe that there is a God out there. And I just believe, I'm just crazy enough to believe he's going to protect me. Now, if you believe God is going to protect you, then it causes you to live in a different way than the person who's afraid. We're talking about courageous faith being lived out every day. So if this is my philosophy about life, if this is something I do every day, then it's no big deal. I can say it with confidence. If you know deep down inside of you, it's not your philosophy, this is not how you live your life, then you're going to look at me and say, Maurice, you crazy. And I've been called worse by church people. So it doesn't bother me if you say that. When you know the Lord, there is a confidence, there is a, a level of courage that you have that says, me and God can face a bear. No, I said, me and God. We, we, can face, we can face a bear. And I just believe God's going to take care of me. But like the Hebrew boy said, but if he chooses not to do that, I trust him enough that he has a better place for me. You complaining about paying taxes and taking pills and all this whole kind of stuff. Uh, you talk about you want to go to heaven. Let's form a line right now. Doesn't mean you're trying to kill yourself. It means you got your business straight. Remember, we're talking about, uh, we talked about the courage of seniors. Uh, the longer we live, the more we ought to have a business straight. We ought to have some courage, and we need to have divested ourselves of the stuff of this life. That's why I many of you, when you get to retirement, you start downsizing. You start getting rid of stuff because you know you don't need it. And there is a, a feeling of liberation that comes when you're not bogged down with stuff. When you get to the point that I got enough clothes in the closet. If I don't get another outfit, I'm fine. I got enough shoes. I don't need to go out for every shoe sale. This car that I got, I'm going to run it into the ground. I don't have to get a new car every year. And that's what the dealership is for. Go get it repaired. And so you, you don't become slaves to bills like you did when you were younger. Because when you're young, you got to have everything. Everything got to be new. Everything got to be flashy and all that kind of stuff. That's why you can't give as you prosper. But the more you travel on this road with God, the more you learn how to really be content. You got a place to stay. You got food to eat. You got some clothes. You're happy. You can go to, you can go to bed at night and, and have a good night's sleep. Because you're not worried about stuff. And by the way, if somebody takes some stuff from you, or they break in, steal it, you don't flip out over it. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, I think Job said that, didn't he? So how are you living out your faith? On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I know how you're living it out on Sunday, so I'm not even asking you about that. But how are you living it out in the real world? When you leave the building, when you're not around a Christians, when it's just you and God. See, Daniel in that room with the windows open, it was just Daniel and God. And what Daniel showed God is that I trust you. So I'm not trying to hide. I trust you because you have been faithful to me. And when you really look at the fact of how faithful God has been to you, Keep on trusting him. Don't doubt him. 
keep on trusting him. This day, if you are here, you have a statement, you have a prayer request, or you have a statement or confession you need to make, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. Uh, if you're in the building, hopefully you have filled out the, the response cards. If you're streaming our services, please email your prayer request in, and the brothers will assist you. If you're part of our audience and you're not a Christian, you're not a child of God, we're thankful that God ordered your steps and brought you here today. And we want you to know that God loves you and that there is a place for you in the family of God. Uh, you've got plenty of brothers and sisters that are rooting for you to come on in and accept Jesus as Lord of your life. All of us accept him as our Savior. But it's another thing to accept him as Lord of your life. When you accept him as Lord of your life, that means he has the right to tell me what to do. That means I'm ready to submit to his will. I'm willing to put aside what I think, what I want to do. Because part of the struggle with this transformation and becoming a Christian is the idea of putting aside what I want and obeying what God wants. You remember Jesus says, you can't even follow me until you're ready to deny yourself. And a lot of times if we're teaching people, that's the hurdle they can't get over about denying self and accepting Jesus for what he says. Do you believe in him? Do you recognize he died for you, gave his life on Calvary for you so that you could have an opportunity to have eternal life? Do you love him enough to confess him and be baptized in water for the forgiveness of sins so that he asks you to the church? If that's your wish, we're going to give you the opportunity now as we stand and sing.